Danny Flexen here for seconds out with, of course, Tunde Ajoy, head trainer for Anthony Yard, and Adi Olienka, part of the Yard training team, it's fair to say, and, and a trainer in your own right, of course. Just want to get some reflections from you. It's the first time I've seen you guys since the big trip out to Shelabinsk. Um, and Yard's... You said it right. Thank you very much, yeah. I'm trying to say something right today, you know. Um, Yard obviously gave a great account of himself. Didn't go your way in the end, but I think his stock rose as a result. Just tell us your reflections on the fight itself, and, and it obviously didn't go exactly how you wanted it, but what, what are the positives you're taking from it? First of all, dream it, believe it, become it. All day, every day. <laughs> all day, every day. You, know, you know that's how it starts, Dan. We don't get weak. <laughs> we don't, <laughs> that's it. You get me, you know what it is, we don't get weak, we get deep. Time to show up and blow up. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, <laughs> to us, you throw me now. Interview over. That's <laughs> all we need to say. Said all I need to say. That's it. No, go on. Positives from the fight. Positives from the fight is um, one thing you cannot buy, borrow, or pretend to have is experience. And uh, the experience has done us good. You know, we're, uh, it's like I keep saying, we're a very young team. You know, Coach Addy. Cutman Cam, Bilal Ali, Deris, we just came into this and already we're at the elite level of the sport and let's get it right, that is and was the elite level of the sport mm. and um, it's all positives, there actually wasn't a negative in the fact, well there probably wasn't, I guess you can look for a negative but for us, for me personally and for the team stamina for sale, yeah, great positive and for Anthony, you know, you know, for a young man, a few years ago, me and him was jumping outside, jumping up and down outside Frank Warren's office. <laughs> We're like, what, you paid, you're paying us this kind of money to fight? <laughs> you understand? And next thing, we're at the top of the spools. So. Frank doesn't watch this because you'll be getting a pay cut for your next fight. We want a pay rise, don't worry about that. Triple. <laughs> Triple. But um, it's been a magnificent and a fantastic journey. and. Um, as I always say, I'm so happy for Ant, I'm proud of him, and uh, I know uh, he's going to fulfill his dreams. Yeah. It was just something that, as I say, you couldn't, you couldn't buy that, you know, that night, that occasion, and uh, he's going to learn for it. Ant's a winner, I'm a winner, Stamina for Sale's a winner, and yes, fantastic. So, Addy, we'll come to you in a second, but one thing I want to ask you, because you raised the significance of experience yes. in your first answer. Do you, is there a part of you now that regrets the fact that Anthony didn't have that kind of world-level fight before Kovalev? Could it have been different if he had in the you know, year before, say? Good question, and I'll answer it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Simple as that. No. You know you can't get me on that, Then I said it over and over again. Education, 99 times out of 100, can be experience. And that's what it was. That was the one time experience reared its head. You already heard all the guys, all the naysayers that doubted us before the fight, that we shouldn't be there. We're not that level. How can you go from C to A class after the fight? Absolutely turn around and say what they said and said, you know what? I've got to take my hat off to Yard and Tundi. They were right. They deserve to be at that level. And I told you, we got the education. System 9, Stamina for Soul. We have the education that has allowed us to get to the top of the sport in a short space of time. So no, it could, listen, 
Nathan Kerry had experience. Didn't help him, did it? <laughs> Bernard Hopkins, Bernard Hopkins had experience. Didn't help him. Jean Pascal had experience. Didn't help him. Nobody landed more punches on Sergei Kovalev in his whole career than Anthony Yard. So that tells you we got something. <laughs> and we're going to keep working as hard as we can. Andy, let me ask you, it was a bit of a chess match. Um, Kovalev probably slightly ahead going into that pivotal eighth round. Anthony rocked him. Crowd were obviously a bit worried, being a hometown crowd for Kovalev. What was your reaction in the corner? Did you think this was his moment? Did you think he was going to get it done in that round? I don't think anyone, whether he was for us or against us, who didn't think that it was all over. Some people have come up to me afterwards and they said another 15 seconds, another 10 seconds, another 6 seconds. It could have been another second. And like Captain said, nothing can prepare you for when you're in that ring or that moment. We went out to Russia with probably 15, 20 man deep. And there was all this, oh, be wary of this, be wary of that. We ignored all of that. We had a job at hand and we was fully out there to go and do the job. You know, it was a magnificent fight. And through all what people have said in the past and should they be there and so on and so on, I think people would um, totally admit to themselves now that Anthony, even though not having a world title belt right now, today, is amongst the world title holders in that division. So it's only a matter of time. And if you ask me, is there anything you would have done differently to take it back, rewind the clock? Not a thing. Because now we've put ourselves on the world stage. You know, we've jumped in four years what people take 14 years to. And we've done it in four years. And I say it again and again. 2015, we was in Wembley Arena at 4.30, first, first fight on, and there was 20 people there, and 12 of them were security. 2019, we're in Russia, Chelyabinsk, with seven, 8,000 people, and what? Someone told me there was around close to a million people watching back home in the UK. That's not a joke. And, you know, Captain's made a lot of it as well. Anthony mentioned it a few times, but I'm just going to reiterate it. Sergei Kovalev had 16 world title fights. So that means he's been a champion for years to have world title. Anthony, at that time, had 18 professional fights. If you look at where Sergei Kovalev was, and all credit to him, 100% all credit to him and his team and the people who supported him, but if you look at where he was, when he was on 18 fights and where Anthony is, I mean, and well, he's now on 19 fights, you could have seen that why we was literally, and I mean, seconds away from taking the title. Seconds out. You know? <laughs> and he didn't even mean that, did he? It was perfect. <laughs> we love it. And it was just, it was a magnificent experience. And all now is that we've grown from that. We've grown as individuals, we've grown as a team. You know, there's nothing that's going to be changed. Not a thing. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, we, we give a lot of thanks to the British fans as well because they really got behind us. Uh, I saw some of the people coming up to me in the street saying, you up were magnificent and so on and so on. You know, lines in the camp, we don't get weak, we get deep. And it was brilliant. And it's just a massive um, promotion for boxing. Boxing as, you know, as a sport in the UK and boxing worldwide. So, you know what I mean? We're, we're ready to, for the next challenge. We're absolutely ready for the next challenge. In fact, we can't wait. So Tunde, there's been a lot of positive reaction, as you alluded to. There has been some negative as well. 
two key criticisms that I want to just get your take on. One was that Yard wasn't given enough detailed uh, instruction in the corner. The other that perhaps he should have been pulled out of the fight a round earlier than when he was knocked out. What, what do you make of those two points? Well, first of all, as you know, Tunde Jai doesn't deal with negativity. <laughs> I just don't deal with it because I've said it over and over again. Life is polarity. They actually teach this in science. The law of gender. Up, down, left, right, good, bad, positive, negative. And I don't focus on the negative, but I will answer the two questions that you spoke about. The first one was, I think... Um, Some people were saying he didn't get enough detailed instruction in the corner. It was more motivational than instructional. I was asked this question on a, on a, a podcast... I'm not supposed to say it, but I am. Undefeated podcast. <laughs> plug, plug. They're my guys. You know Cat is always going to do what he wants. <laughs> cut, cut that out, Joe. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and it's like I say, they asked me the same question. And I said, you obviously, you obviously haven't studied us in the corner. We don't talk. In fact, it was rare, it was actually unique for us to talk and give detailed instruction in the corner. But that was the experience. That's where we all come up together as a team after the fight and said, you know, we lost it. We, where we're usually mute in the corner, uh, we got excited, we got overexcited. And, and that is the experience. That's something that will never happen again. Um, so people need to go and watch the tapes of Tunde Jai and Anthony Yard in the corner. I don't talk. I've said it over and over again. You prepare and revise for the exam and then you take the exam. There ain't no one in an exam hall telling you what answers, what the answers are when you're taking the exam. That's my theory, that's my philosophy. You can't, listen, it's a program. Once it's programmed in your mind, you ain't gonna do something new on that night. And that is why I don't talk in the corner. But as I say, on that particular night, we never had the experience. And so where Anthony, look at the fight, look at Anthony's previous fights. Mm -hmm. When Anthony gets someone hurt, very calculated, yeah. calm. You know why? Because we're calm in the corner. We don't talk. So that's that. So it was one of them things where experience did, did play a part in that one. And then the second question was um, um, pull, pull him out. At the end of, listen, I've been with Anthony since Anthony was 19 years old. No one knows Anthony better than me the people saying I should have pulled him out you don't train him you weren't there 5.30 in the morning all them years ago training him you ain't going to the corner shop and getting Anthony water when he says unks get me some water I'm there I know him and this is why I keep telling all you guys the naysayers when you're telling me not to be close to Anthony don't get close to the fighter I'm saying to you no because guess what, when he's in that fight, I can feel it. It's a relationship. I know what calls to make at what time. And, and that was it. It was my call. I always put my hands up to everything. This whole team, I take all, everything. And that's why on my Instagram, Stamina for Still's Instagram, it says, no such thing as bad student, only bad teacher. So if, give me all the darts you want. I made the call, it was my call, and I put my hands up to it. 
What was the reason for the call, I guess, is what people are most curious about. Yes. Did you see something in him where you thought he can still pull this round towards yeah. the end of the fight? Well, that's it. Again, we've all been in the gym. Me and Adi. Adney has got tremendous powers of recuperation. I think Kovalev stole them on that night. <laughs> you know what the thing is, what people fail to recognise is that eighth round was a massive round and it's the round that everyone's talking about. And obviously people uh, have made a lot of comments, Captain going empty the tank, empty the pan. Now, if you look out on the slip, on the flip side from the opponent's position, now people were saying, oh, Captain should have pulled him out of the fight, so on, which is fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. And to be honest, we don't mind. It's boxing, your fans, you're entitled to opinion. But Buddy McGurk, a registered <laughs> trainer for years, going back to Gatti, Floyd, and so on, he said, if you have another round like that, I'm pulling you out. There was no, maybe I'll pull you out or I could consider it. That means he's made a strategic decision because he knows the fighter. There's no better person in boxing. In fact, you might even go and say in life that would know Anthony better than Captain. 24 hours a day, they're in contact. And what I mean 24 hours, I mean just consistently, you know. They know each other, and like I said, we're in the gym every day with Anthony, consistent, sparring, pad work, bad work. We don't spar. Uh-oh. Cat's out the bag. <laughs> and we know what he can do. We know what he can do. Yes, as you've seen in the fight, everyone said there was an element of fatigue that, uh, that, um, that, that crept in. That's the element of boxing that we ourselves knew that Anthony could deal with. I've seen what this guy can do. I knew what he could do. And yes, there's always that chance. Anthony lands a right punch on someone's chin or their body and they're out for the count. Sergei Kovalev said it at the end. And I do, I think he, there's not been a lot said about that. He said, I won this fight on pure experience. Not skill, not balance, not precision, not even a game plan on pure experience. Now, you bring that to any form or arena in society, experience is always gonna come out throughout the day, especially when it's over a long period of time. But our education has put us literally right there. So if you add our education with our experience, you know we're looking at, you know, we're not just, it's not just gonna be a world title holder, we're gonna be a world title team. So that's where we are, man. that's where we are. And I'm telling you, we just can't Adi wait for Oli Inka for Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he should do more interviews, shouldn't he, really? No, no, no. He, Adi has got his guy, Bilal Ali. He will prove... He's actually in the background there, yeah. He will prove... He won't come. He will prove the system. I'm, 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 I'm actually not going to... I'm going to, for the first time, keep quiet. Adi knows the system, taught him the system. Bilal has been around me since he was 11 years old mm. and I'm just going to, this one I'm not going to talk and that's why I say I only talk about who I train, but Ade trains Bilal and you're going to see, they're not talkers, they're not, oh Ade can talk, <laughs> I think that's because he's Nigerian. When you bring in facts and stuff like that, I think it's important because people need to know facts. There's theory, there's the practical and then there's the facts. The facts is we went out to Russia 18 fights as a professional and challenged a world title holder and not only put him to the test but nearly put him out now the next stage for us now is attaining that we are at that level 
make no mistake, we are at world title level. And I don't think there's anyone in boxing who's honest with themselves or just general public who think, no, them guys don't deserve to be there. Rocky Marciano versus Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier versus Rocky Marciano. Well, we know Marciano was a was a great come forward fighter. Um, would lead with his head a lot. A terrific record. I think that Joe Frazier was a was a more skilled fighter. Um, very powerful left hook. Um, great amateur pedigree, Olympic gold medalist, I would take Joe Fraser to beat Marciano. Lucas Matisse versus Marcos Maidana. Oh, exciting fight. Uh, two very heavy-handed guys, two action-packed guys, Matisse and Maidana. Wow, that would be... Uh, that would be a real fan-friendly fight. Um, I'd probably go with the with the durability of Madonna and the heavy hands of Madonna. Manny Pacquiao versus Pernell Whitaker. Well, I was uh, always um, a very uh, a great fan of Pernell Whitaker. I was very lucky that early in his career, I had a number of training camps that I was invited to with other fighters I had with main events at the time. I watched Pernell in the gym day in, day out. Saw him live several times. I thought he was one of the slickest, one of the best skilled fighters I've ever seen. Um, I think Pernell Whitaker uh, boxed the ears off Manny Pacquiao. Steve Collins versus Andy Lee. Andy Lee, skillful guy. Southpaw, good straight puncher. Steve Collins, I think, uh, uh, more powerful. Um, equally good boxer. I'd, I'd probably think that uh, Steve Collins would win that fight. Evander Holyfield versus Tyson Fury. Wow. Well, Evander Holyfield found, found a way to beat most heavyweights in the world. Could he find a way to beat... Tyson Fury, six foot nine. I remember the Holyfield fights against Lennox Lewis, where I, you know, I think Holyfield won both the fights, and uh, I think there was a draw and a loss. Um, Holyfield, as we know, had a great heart. He struggled with Riddick Bowe, who was six foot five. Tyson Fury at six foot nine, I think, just too big, just too big, and too and too much of a slick boxer. Sergei Kovalev versus Antonio Tarver. Kovalev versus Tarver. Uh, you know, Tarver, the, the magic man, sort of found a way to, uh, to get to Roy Jones. He was his nemesis. Um, could he do the same thing against Sergei Kovalev? Yes, I think so. Billy Joe Saunders versus Nigel Benn. Wow. Well, Nigel Benn was a very aggressive, very powerful guy. 
a very exciting fighter to watch. Billy Joe Saunders, he's like a smaller version version of uh, Tyson Fury. Very slick, very good mover, exceptionally hard to hit. I, I feel that uh, Nigel Ben might have struggled to, to catch him clean and uh, therefore I think I'd take Billy Joe Saunders in that fight. Vasil Lomachenko versus Alexis Arguello. Wow. Well, um, a, a, a past legend and a, and a young man, Lomachenko, who's, uh, who's closing in on becoming a, a legend while he's still fighting. Uh, he's showing us things that we, that we haven't seen uh, in, a, in a fighter in a long time. Um, very, very tough fight. Um, um, I was. I thought Alexis Aguayo was was something very, very special. Uh, the combinations that he would throw, the speed, the power, uh, the skill. You know, I think that particular style would be a style that would trouble Lomachenko. Alexis Aguayo. Anthony Joshua versus David Tua. Oh. Well, that's an interesting fight. There's uh, look, we know that uh, we know that David Tua struggled land to land his left hook on Lennox Lewis. Uh, Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua, I don't believe could hurt David Tua. I think that uh, Tua would put constant pressure on him. And I think by about the uh, ninth or tenth round, whether he had lost every round, I think David Tour would have finally caught him and knocked him out. Gennady Golovkin versus James Tony. Gennady Golovkin versus James Tony. Well, James Tony in his prime was uh, unbeatable, as a, as a lot of people found out. Who would have ever thought that? Uh, that he would have given a Van Holyfield the beating that he did. Um, tremendous defensive fighter, one of the one of the very very best. Uh, Golovkin in his prime, devastating puncher, uh, with the European style and movement. I, I'd have to say that uh, that James Tony would uh, would be able to defend his way through a close points decision. So Daniel Dubois has been saying some interesting things about the Gypsy King Tyson Fury following Fury's tough win over Otto Wallen last weekend. So I'm going to quote Daniel Dubois directly. He says, I was really impressed with how Tyson boxed nine rounds with those cuts, but people forget you don't get to where he is without having the heart and grit to go with the talent. If I was to fight him down the line, I would not only focus on his right eye, I would focus on every weakness I could see and tear him apart. The fight did prove that he has weaknesses. There are always chinks in everyone's armor. I don't feel that far away from fights like that. Until then, I am just collecting all of the belts with the Commonwealth getting added to my British soon. So those are the words 
uh, well, he goes on to say, actually, let me just finish off here. He says, uh, oh no, sorry, this is from Frank Bruno. <laughs> My bad people, let me end there. So those are the words of Daniel Dubois talking about the Gypsy King Tyson Fury. And there's also a few more words that he had for the Metro newspaper. Uh, he said it looked like a real bloody tough fight. He came through it and credit to him. Talking about Tyson Fury, obviously. Goes on to say boxing is never straightforward. The public, the boxing public can change their opinion of you in a split second. Tyson should be pleased with himself because he's got another victory. He's living the life right now. He's got a great deal with the American networks. His legacy is already sealed, but he can earn a lot more money from another few fights. And finally, he says it's hard to rank everyone. Joshua had a claim to be number one before he got beat by Andy Ruiz. Things changed too quickly for there to be a number one heavyweight. I'm capable of beating Tyson Fury right now. I'm 100% confident in my ability. I'll beat anyone who steps in the ring with me. I only have one gear. Seek and destroy. Kill or be killed. All right, so Dubois has got a lot of things to say there. Uh, he says he would tear Tyson and Fury, Fury apart if they fight in the future. That's what he'd be looking to do. He'd be looking to target the eye. And he'd be very confident in beating Tyson Fury right now. He says he's capable of beating Fury now. I know a lot of people, particularly the Fury fans, are going to be upset with him saying this. I personally think it's great. I love to see a young fighter with that kind of confidence and ambition. This is not the kind of sport where you shouldn't imagine yourself beating the very, very best. If you want to be the best, then you have to look at it the way Daniel Dubois is looking at it that the best are not anything special. Yeah, the best are not anything to be feared or even looked up to in that sense. The best are your competition. So despite the fact that Daniel Dubois is only, what, 22 years old? He's looking at Tyson Fury like, yeah, I can take him. That's how he should be looking at it. <laughs> no reason for people to get upset. You should admire a young fighter like that with that kind of ambition. Same thing with Devin Haney last weekend, calling out Lomachenko. Rather than get upset, you should admire that kind of confidence. That's what we want from our young fighter. We don't want a young fighter coming up saying, oh, he's my idol. You know, like when Mayweather was on top and you had all these sycophantic American fighters, you know, mainly African-American fighters. Oh, Floyd's amazing and this, that, and this. And these were contenders in the same weight division as Floyd. Looking up to him as some kind of hero. You're supposed to be looking at him as food. You're not supposed to be looking at him as your hero. It's the wrong mentality to have. You know, which is why from a very early stage in Errol Spencer's career, I believe that he was the goods because that infamous sparring session he had with Mayweather when he only just turned pro, apparently he had no respect for Mayweather in that sparring session at all. Normally guys get in with Floyd and they're intimidated. They're starstruck. Not for Errol Spence, he didn't have that. He went in there to give Mayweather the business in his own gym, okay? Daniel Dubois, same kind of vibe I'm getting from him now. You know, I have to admit, in the early days of Dubois' career, and we're still in the early days of his career, but the very early days, I was a bit of a Dubois skeptic, I have to admit. But since that time, he has made a believer out of me. I'm not saying he's going to go all the way just yet, okay? He's got some stern tests to pass, but he's ticking more and more boxes at this point for me, Daniel Dubois. And even this here, this is ticking a character box. Looking at the top guys saying, I can beat him now. <laughs> it's for his management team and his promoter not to put him in those fights now, of course. 
yeah? To keep him on a leash. But the fact that he's straining at the leash and wants to get at those top guys, that's very encouraging. That shows the confidence of him. He's obviously already beaten Tyson Fury's cousin in Nathan Gorman, you know, a guy who tried to pull that slick boxing routine on him. There's a world of difference between Tyson Fury and Nathan Gorman, obviously. We all know that. Um, but still, Daniel Dubois, you know, he's uh, very confident in himself. And it could be sooner rather than later that we see this guy mixing it at world level. You know, will he be somebody that would put himself forward to be in the World Boxing Super Series heavyweight tournament? If that takes place next year, we'll see. Let me know what you think in the comment section below. Would Daniel Dubois stand a chance of beating Tyson Fury now? And if not, would he stand a chance of beating Tyson Fury sometime in the future? He has actually sparred Fury, albeit when Fury was about, I don't know, 50, 60 pounds overweight. They had a, a move around in the gym. Not really a proper spar, I would have to assume. Um, but yeah, let me know what you think in the comments, people. It's happening, I'm out. Deontay Wilder says he is aiming to rip open Tyson Fury's cut in their rematch. I'm going to quote the bronze bomber directly. He says he's very vulnerable. When he gets hit on the chin, it's a wrap. Otto Wallin was doing a great job up to that point, especially when he cut him over the eye. I thought he was going to get a stoppage. It looked like it was three inches wide and two inches deep. That's the worst cut besides the Klitschko and Lennox fight. That was the worst cut I've seen in my life. I can't wait. I hope they heal well, and I can't wait to see Mr. Fury. That's not my problem if he's not ready. He signed a contract. That's his problem. He better be ready. No matter what he does when he fights me, the cut is going to open right back up. I'm going to pop it right back open. He can get plastic surgery, duct tape or staples, super glue or hot glue, cement glue. He can even go get some of that flex glue. It ain't even going to matter. So those are the words of the bronze bomber looking to target that injured right eye of Tyson Fury, as he should. Whatever weaknesses your opponent has or perceived weaknesses, you should be looking to target him. I remember when Lennox Lewis fought Gary Mason back in the, it was the early 1990s for the British title. Gary Mason at the time was like 35 and 0, and he was ranked, I think, in the top five in the world. Lennox Lewis was just an, an up-and-comer, still under the, the British domestic scene. He'd only had about, I think, 14 fights or something like that, 12, 14 fights. But anyway, Gary Mason had had eye surgery, okay? He'd had, he'd had a detached retina. And Lennox Lewis trained his whole camp to target uh, Gary Mason's damaged eye, the one he'd had surgery on. He actually put, he had his trainer put an X, a, a, a tape an X next to whichever eye it was. I can't remember it, whether it was Mason's left or right eye, but whichever eye it was, he had his trainer put an X on the headgear of his sparring partners so that Lewis could zero in on the eyes of the sparring partners. Yeah, whichever eye, uh, you know, was damaged with Mason's, whichever side it was. He trained specifically to damage the guy's eye essentially to try blind him. I think I, I even remember Pepe Correa. Excuse me, no, that was uh, Pepe Correa talking about the Bruno fight. No, uh, I think Lewis was still with John Davenport, excuse me, when he fought Gary Mason. Uh, but still, Lewis trained, and I remember 
Frank Maloney talking about this. He was the one, I think, that talked about them putting an X, <laughs> taping an X to the headgear so Lewis could hone in on, on the eye of his sparring partners. Basically training to try to blind the guy with legal blows, but targeting that injury. That's how vicious boxing is. Yeah? It is like Daniel Dubois said, it's kill or be killed. Hopefully, we pray that nobody gets killed in a boxing ring. Obviously. Yeah, that's why we have doctors and referees and all this kind of stuff. But the mentality of the fighters who go in there is vicious at the top level. <laughs> Lennox Lewis going for Mason's eye and he got his eye as well. Gary Mason's eye was messed up after that. I think he had to have more surgery after that Lennox Lewis fight. Yeah. Now, obviously, Tyson Fury doesn't have any detached retinas or anything like that, but he's got scar tissue now over that right eye, which will probably never fully heal. Even if they go for plastic surgery and all that kind of stuff, you know, normally when a guy gets a terrible cut like that, it's going to reopen and reopen and reopen. So he needs to protect that side of his face. Yeah. Deontay Wilder, as I've said in previous videos, he needs to box more with Tyson Fury. He needs to jab with him more. As the old adage goes, you can't hook with a hooker, but you can jab with a jabber. Deontay Wilder needs to jab with Tyson Fury and he needs to target the eye. Yeah, he needs to, just as Lennox Lewis did with Gary Mason, you know, put a, a, an X or something next to his sparring partner's right eye on their headgear so he can get his jab honing in on their, on their eye like that. Cut it open. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what you got to do, man. You got to go for your opponent's weaknesses, whatever they are. Now, I just watched, well, I was just watching this interview actually with Paulie Malinagi. And he said that Tyson Fury is consistently inconsistent, which indeed he is. You know, it's a very succinct uh, way to put it. Consistently inconsistent. That he tends to lower himself to his level of opposition or raise himself to his level of opposition. He's a buzz fighter. That's another term people use to describe the kind of mentality, the personality type that Fury has. Deontay Wilder needs to be cognizant of that. Yeah, you can't go into a fight expecting it to be easy every time. Sometimes you'll go into fights expecting an easy one and it will be easy. When Tyson Fury fought Tom Schwartz, he knew that was going to be easy and it was. But when you go into a fight thinking it's going to be easy, maybe because you think the opponent isn't what they used to be, that they're compromised or damaged in some way, not quite themselves anymore. If you go into a fight with that mentality, it can backfire on you in spectacular fashion. So when Deontay Wilder's coming out here saying, Fury's not the same man, this, that, and the other, you know, he's looking for weaknesses. Yeah, great, look for weaknesses. But prepare for the very, very best version of Tyson Fury if you want to win. Because Fury, we've seen on several occasions now, actually thrives on being the underdog. When people are writing him off, that's when Fury produces his best form. So if Wilder is smart, and we know he's not, <laughs> but if he was smart, if, the, if his team are smart, and there are some very smart people in his team, they need to be advising him, Deontay, we ain't preparing for a compromised Tyson Fury. We're preparing for the very best Fury, even better than the one we fought first time around. Yeah? Uh, because he is that kind of guy who will rise to the occasion. Another thing Paulie Malinagi said is that if you look at Fury's career prior to Klitschko, there was nothing 
that he'd done, no performance that he'd produced, which would lead you to believe he was going to beat Klitschko. Obviously, some people did pick him to beat Klitschko, but in general terms, this is what Paulie Mananaji was saying, that there was, there was no performance prior to him beating Klitschko, which was so spectacular that convinced everybody he was going to beat Klitschko. But yet when he fought Klitschko, he raised his game to a whole new level, which most people had never seen. That's the kind of fighter he is. And same situation right now. I mean, he fought Sefer Safiri and Pianetta. He didn't look good against Pianetta. He raised his game when he fought Deontay Wilder. You know, going into the uh, Vladimir Klitschko fight. Joey Abel, I mean, that was against the journeyman. He didn't look great in that fight, to be honest. He got clipped a few times. He looked clumsy. Derek Chisora and Christian Hammer, very similar fights against guys who came forward in straight lines, who didn't do anything sophisticated. So they were good performances, but neither one of those guys was anything like Klitschko. You know? The last time he fought a guy who could actually box prior to Hammer and Chisora, you know, like, had good boxing skills, world-class boxing skills, was Cunningham. And against Cunningham, he was on the floor in the second round. You know? So there was nothing in terms of a, an, an elite level win against a good boxer or a, or a top 10 win against a good boxer. There was nothing that Tyson Fury had done prior to Klitschko that suggested that he was going to beat Klitschko. You know, that strongly suggested it anyway. He'd always shown flashes of talent and I was really impressed by his fight against Kevin Johnson. That's what really impressed me, the way he dealt with Johnson, the movement and the speed, the combinations. That's the one that really got me on board with Tyson Fury in terms of how talented he really was. Um, ironically, it was right before the Cunningham fight where, where he nearly got uh, taken out in the second round. But still, consistently inconsistent is a good way to describe Tyson Fury. Do not underestimate the guy because he thrives off that. Uh, Mr. Deontay Wilder. If, but hey, at the end of the day, Wilder is his own man, and if he chooses to underestimate him, it's him who's you know potentially going to pay the price. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Uh, Deontay Wilder going to target Tyson Fury's cut. I know we've had a lot of talk recently about you know the viciousness of boxing. We've obviously had some deaths uh, in the sport. We had Robert McCracken recently talking about how he knew Anthony Joshua was concussed, but. Uh, he let the fight go on. There's a lot of people expressing outrage. Look, this is an outrageous sport. We want it to be as safe as possible. That's why we have doctors and medics and you know referees and all this kind of stuff to protect the fighters. But understand that this is vicious. Yeah? You, you can't look at boxing from the point of view of a civilian and expect the, uh, the fighters and the trainers and the participants to also behave and think like civilians. They're warriors. They, they don't think like the average Joe. They don't even think like the average amateur down your boxing gym. These are men competing at the elite level. All right? So their mentality is not going to be like people that you know. <laughs> it's going to be more extreme because this is an extreme sport. I know Chris Eubank Jr., uh, excuse me, Chris Eubank Sr. has waxed lyrical about this for years, about being severe and being extreme. He's been saying this since the 90s, Chris Eubank Sr., but it's true. You, you, you have to have a mentality which the general public don't really understand. And if they knew the true extent of how extreme your mentality is with regards to boxing, 
a lot of them would be shocked and taken aback. So most fighters keep a lot of what they think in their head in because they know it would be shocking and it would probably uh, embolden or give fuel to the anti-boxing campaigners if a lot of fighters really told you what was going on in their head in a fight or going into a fight, you know? So uh, anyway, Deontay Wilder targeting Tyson Fury's cut. That's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> That's what he's supposed to do. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening. I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Deontay Wilder says he is aiming to rip open Tyson Fury's cut in their rematch. I'm going to quote the bronze bomber directly. He says he's very vulnerable. When he gets hit on the chin, it's a wrap. Otto Wallin was doing a great job up to that point, especially when he cut him over the eye. I thought he was going to get a stoppage. It looked like it was three inches wide and two inches deep. That's the worst cut besides the Klitschko and Lennox fight. That was the worst cut I've seen in my life. I can't wait. I hope they heal well and I can't wait to see Mr. Fury. That's not my problem if he's not ready. He signed a contract. That's his problem. He better be ready. No matter what he does, when he fights me, the cut is going to open right back up. I'm going to pop it right back open. He can get plastic surgery, duct tape or staples, super glue or hot glue, cement glue. He can even go get some of that flex glue. It ain't even going to matter. So those are the words of the bronze bomber looking to target that injured right eye of Tyson Fury. As he should. Whatever weaknesses your opponent has or perceived weaknesses, you should be looking to target him. I remember when Lennox Lewis fought Gary Mason back in the, it was the early 1990s for the British title. Gary Mason at the time was like 35 and 0 and he was ranked, I think, in the top five in the world. Lennox Lewis was just an, an up-and-comer, still under the, the British domestic scene. He'd only had about, I think, 14 fights or something like that. 12, 14 fights. But anyway, Gary Mason had had eye surgery. Okay, he'd had, he'd had a detached retina. And Lennox Lewis trained his whole camp to target uh, Gary Mason's damaged eye, the one he'd had surgery on. He actually put, he had his trainer put an X, a, a tape an X next to whichever eye it was. I can't remember whether it was Mason's left or right eye, but whichever eye it was, he had his trainer put an X on the headgear of his sparring partners so that Lewis could zero in on the eyes of the sparring partners. Yeah, whichever eye uh, 
you know, was damaged the Masons, whichever side it was. He trained specifically to damage the guy's eye. Essentially to try to blind him. I think I, I even remember Pepe Correa. Excuse me, no, that was uh, Pepe Correa talking about the Bruno fight. No, uh, I think Lewis was still with John Davenport, excuse me, when he fought Gary Mason. Uh, but still, Lewis trained, and I remember Frank Maloney talking about this. He was the one, I think, that talked about them putting an X, <laughs> taping an X to the headgear so Lewis could hone in on, on the eye of his sparring partners. Basically training to try to blind the guy with legal blows, but targeting that injury. That's how vicious boxing is. Yeah? It is like Daniel Dubois said, it's kill or be killed. Hopefully, we pray that nobody gets killed in a boxing ring. Obviously. Yeah, that's why we have doctors and referees and all this kind of stuff. But the mentality of the fighters who go in there is vicious at the top level. <laughs> Lennox Lewis going for Mason's eye and he got his eye as well. Gary Mason's eye was messed up after that. I think he had to have more surgery after that Lennox Lewis fight. Yeah. Now, obviously Tyson Fury doesn't have any detached retinas or anything like that, but he's got scar tissue now over that right eye, which will probably never fully heal. Even if they go for plastic surgery and all that kind of stuff, you know, normally when a guy gets a terrible cut like that, it's going to reopen and reopen and reopen. So he needs to protect that side of his face. Yeah. Deontay Wilder, as I've said in previous videos, he needs to box more with Tyson Fury. He needs to jab with him more. As the old adage goes, you can't hook with a hooker, but you can jab with a jabber. Deontay Wilder needs to jab with Tyson Fury and he needs to target the eye. Yeah. He needs to, just as Lennox Lewis did with Gary Mason, you know, put, uh, an X or something next to his sparring partner's right eye on their headgear so he can get his jab honing in on their, on their eye like that. Cut it open. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's what you got to do, man. You got to go for your opponent's weaknesses, whatever they are. Now, I just watched, well, I was just watching this interview actually with Paulie Malinaji. And he said that Tyson Fury is consistently inconsistent which indeed he is. You know, it's a very succinct uh, way to put it, consistently inconsistent, that he tends to lower himself to his level of opposition or raise himself to his level of opposition. He's a buzz fighter. That's another term people use to describe the kind of mentality, the personality type that Fury has. Deontay Wilder needs to be cognizant of that. Yeah, you can't go into a fight expecting it to be easy every time. Sometimes you'll go into fights expecting an easy one and it will be easy. When Tyson Fury fought Tom Schwartz, he knew that was going to be easy and it was. But when you go into a fight thinking it's going to be easy, maybe because you think the opponent isn't what they used to be, that they're compromised or damaged in some way, not quite themselves anymore. If you go into a fight with that mentality, it can backfire on you in spectacular fashion. So when Deontay Wilder's coming out here saying Fury's not the same man, this, that, and the other, you know, he's looking for weaknesses. Yeah, great. Look for weaknesses, but prepare for the very, very best version of Tyson Fury if you want to win. Because Fury, we've seen on several occasions now, actually thrives on being the underdog. When people are writing him off, that's when Fury produces his best form. So if Wilder is smart, and we know he's not, <laughs> 
But if he was smart, if the, if his team are smart, and there are some very smart people in his team, they need to be advising him, Deontay, we ain't preparing for a compromise Tyson Fury. We're preparing for the very best Fury. Even better than the one we fought first time around. Yeah? Uh, because he is that kind of guy who will rise to the occasion. Another thing Paulie Malinaji said is that if you look at Fury's career prior to Klitschko, there was nothing that he'd done, no performance that he'd produced, which would lead you to believe he was going to beat Klitschko. Obviously, some people did pick him, pick him to beat Klitschko, but in general terms, this is what Paulie Malinaji was saying, that there was, there was no performance prior to him beating Klitschko, which was so spectacular that convinced everybody he was going to beat Klitschko. But yet when he fought Klitschko, he raised his game to a whole new level, which most people had never seen. That's the kind of fighter he is. And same situation right now. I mean, he fought Sefer Safiri and Pianetta. He didn't look good against Pianetta. He raised his game when he fought Deontay Wilder. You know, going into the uh, Vladimir Klitschko fight, Joey Abel, I mean, that was against the journeyman. He didn't look great in that fight, to be honest. He got clipped a few times. He looked clumsy. Derek Chisora and Christian Hammer, very similar fights against guys who came forward in straight lines, who didn't do anything sophisticated. So they were good performances, but neither one of those guys was anything like Klitschko. You know? The last time he fought a guy who could actually box prior to Hammer and Chisora, you know, like, had good boxing skills, world-class boxing skills, was Cunningham. And against Cunningham, he was on the floor in the second round. You know? So there was nothing in terms of a, an, an elite-level win against a good boxer or a, or a top-10 win against a good boxer. There was nothing that Tyson Fury had done prior to Klitschko that suggested that he was going to beat Klitschko. You know, that strongly suggested it anyway. He'd always shown flashes of talent. And I was really impressed by his fight against Kevin Johnson. That's what really impressed me, the way he dealt with Johnson, the movement and the speed, the combinations. That's the one that really got me on board with Tyson Fury in terms of how talented he really was. Um, ironically, it was right before the Cunningham fight where, where he nearly got uh, taken out in the second round. But still, consistently inconsistent is a good way to describe Tyson Fury. Do not underestimate the guy because he thrives off that. Uh, Mr. Deontay Wilder. If, but hey, at the end of the day, Wilder is his own man. And if he chooses to underestimate him, it's him who's you know potentially going to pay the price. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Uh, Deontay Wilder going to target Tyson Fury's cut. I know we've had a lot of talk recently about you know the viciousness of boxing. We've obviously had some deaths uh, in the sport. We had Robert McCracken recently talking about how he knew Anthony Joshua was concussed, but... Uh, he let the fight go on. There's a lot of people expressing outrage. Look, this is an outrageous sport. We want it to be as safe as possible. That's why we have doctors and medics and, you know, referees and all this kind of stuff to protect the fighters. But understand that this is vicious. Yeah? You can't look at boxing from the point of view of a civilian and expect the, uh, the fighters and the trainers and the participants to also behave and think like civilians. They're warriors. They, they don't think like the average Joe. They don't even think like the average amateur down your boxing gym. These are men competing at the elite level. All right? So their mentality is not going to be like people that you know. 
<laughs> it's going to be more extreme because this is an extreme sport. I know Chris Eubank Jr., uh, excuse me, Chris Eubank Sr. has waxed lyrical about this for years, about being severe and being extreme. He's been saying this since the 90s, Chris Eubank Sr., but it's true. You, you, you have to have a mentality which the general public don't really understand. And if they knew the true extent of how extreme your mentality is with regards to boxing, a lot of them would be shocked and taken aback. So most fighters keep a lot of what they think in their head in because they know it would be shocking and it would probably uh, embolden or give fuel to the anti-boxing campaigners if a lot of fighters really told you what was going on in their head in a fight or going into a fight, you know? So uh, anyway, Deontay Wilder targeting Tyson Fury's cut. That's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> That's what he's supposed to do. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening. I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today.